Welcome to the EMT Pro Podcast, where we deliver relevant EMS content from the field and the classroom each week. Each episode of this podcast gets you one full hour of CE through our partner, emt-ce.com, so head over there for more information. Guys, welcome back. Awesome to have you. Well, hello, Steve. We're back on a schedule. We're back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about successful internships and what that looks like for paramedic students and even EMTs who have, you know, there are programs that... Uh, send you to an ER for a few days or do ride-alongs for a few shifts with a local ambulance crew or a fire crew. So um, we're going to talk about that. And we've got a lot of questions that were sent in uh, from various students who want to know answers from preceptors. So all right, the three of us have all precepted, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Is anyone, are either of you actively precepting? No, not during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just had a class of probies finish up in the last few months and I got a handful that were on our shift. They come downtown, do time on the truck and time on the engine. Um, so I get them for a couple months, but we also have kind of like an intern volunteer program and those, uh, we randomly just brought on like eight more. So wow. yeah, really weird time to do it. Yeah. Um, but we've got, uh, I've got one at my station that's on our crew now and she's doing great. Um, but a little bit different, not quite an internship thing. It's not so quite intensive. Right. Um, so. And it's, it's super important. I mean, that's where yeah. the foundation is laid on what's right, what's wrong and how to be a good firefighter, EMT paramedic. Absolutely. I remember my internship. And yeah. it was, oh, I remember it very well. Yeah, 2002. That was a long time ago. Mine was in 92, and I remember like yesterday. Yeah, I, I re- loved it. It was so Mine fun. Mine was 08. Yeah, a little, a little sooner. <laughs> Just a kid. Just a baby. <laughs> so this will be something that these guys remember for their entire career. Or maybe their right. entire lives, but certainly their Absolutely. entire career. I know that, so I did my internship at Austin Travis County EMS with Frank and Charlie. And if you guys are listening Holy cow. Uh, that was one of the best summers of my entire life, both work stuff and non-work stuff. Um, they were a blast and we had a really fun time, probably too much fun at times. Um, but those guys taught me so much from what they did on scene and a lot of what they didn't do on scene. Yes. And we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, I was kind of thinking, why don't we answer these questions that uh, came in and then we can share the highlights of what we learned during our internships from what we could remember. And then we can call it a day. Sounds good. Awesome. So what I want to do with these questions is go through them in an order that kind of takes the student from the start of their uh, internship stuff till, you know, the last day and what they can expect after. Right. So, I thought that this student's question was really, really good to kind of start things off. Let's say you've just been assigned uh, a program, or I'm sorry, an agency that you're going to be um, arriving to on such and such date, and what do you need to know before you show up to that? What do you, what should you be doing before you show up to that? I'll tell you what I did. I mean, it's been 100 years ago, but I, I did my internship in Baton Rouge, and I drove from Portland to Louisiana, my little truck, and I studied protocols all the way down there because we had to know the protocols before we stepped in the back of that ambulance. 
So did they send you? They sent us the protocols. Okay. Um, did you go, did you drive down there with anybody? No. No. Okay. Went solo. And so, uh, walked in there, we took a test and, and if you didn't know the stuff, you weren't allowed to do your internship. So wow. know your stuff before you go. Wow. And get a haircut. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta look, look good. Look presentable. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to look sloppy. Right. Yeah. You should also know where you're going and how long it's going to take you to get there. Yeah. Show up early. At least a half hour early. Yep. Great advice. Bring a treat. Yes. Oh, bring treats. Dan, that's an awesome piece of advice. Yes, Absolutely. Bring a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Preferably not something that's going to melt if you have to sit in your car for a while. Correct. Um, cookies are a, a solid option. Um, a baked good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember I went down to Austin, Travis County with four other people and we did not get our protocols beforehand. However, we put some feelers out, um, through I think a Facebook page and asked if any of the people that worked uh, for that agency would be willing to share their protocols with us via email. And I remember one person got the file and then we all printed it out into like little pocketbooks. And that was our Bible for the next, gosh, four or five months. Um, so we showed up with a pretty good idea of what their abilities were and what their, you know, uh, scope of practice was. And it was, I think more than anything, the uh, training coordinator that met us all on day one kind of put us in this little classroom and then he handed us our assignments for the crews that we were going to be getting. And uh, he was really impressed to see that we had printed out a protocol book and showed up day one with a pretty good idea of what to do on most calls. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we'd never put hands on the equipment that they have and the types of you know brands of stuff they buy. But that was, I could tell, he was he was pretty stoked to see that we were engaged. Difference. Yeah, we were there and we wanted to be there. Right. And did you have a choice on where you wanted to go? Like you had like three or four options. Yeah. Um, So we were given the choice of, well, it wasn't necessarily a choice. We we ranked where we wanted to go. And then our program director grouped us by what she felt would be best. Um, And then sent us in groups to our one or two, top one or two choices. Um, at the time we had, our program had, uh, agreements with Austin, Travis County, uh, Wake County in North Carolina. Uh, Denver had just stopped taking paramedic students. I was really hoping to go there. That would have been my top choice, but it wasn't an option. Uh, Tacoma and Seattle Medic One had a, uh, had something that you could put in for, but I think they wanted or they preferred IFF members. So if you were a a member of a local and you were going to your paramedic school, you could put in as an IFF member and they would give you preference. Um, And then there's, you know, a lot of agencies around Portland um, and just south of Portland. So those are our major choices. And something that I found is, I mean, I had zero money back then. So my aunt actually gave me some money or lent me some money to go down there. I could have stayed in the metro area, but I felt I wanted the best internship for the school I went to, you know, because that's going to lay my foundation. So, 
even though I had family commitments, I had zero money. I, I really worked to get out of town to a busy, busy mm-hmm. agency. It's and so important. Very important. Yep. I think that the biggest disservice you can do for yourself as a medic or an EMT is just sit and stay in the district you're in if you have exactly. the opportunity to go elsewhere yeah, if for you a can period do it. of time. If you can do it. Yeah. The stuff that I learned in a high call volume system was uh, – I'll never forget those lessons. Exactly. And, um, I still talk about many calls that I went on that summer. Um, it is a different culture. I mean, I was down there in different. the early 90s. There was still – well, there still is racism, but there was a lot of racism where they wouldn't even allow us to come inside the house because one of the partners wow. that we had was, was an African-American and they would not allow us to come inside the house to treat the patient. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. I can't believe that. We have a we have a planned episode on race and EMS and I'm really looking forward to that episode by the way. That's a good one. Yeah. Um along yeah. those lines, I think um showing up with your own ownership of your um internship yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, take ownership of what you need to know to be a good paramedic student. Mm-hmm. Because if you show up like you do, like you did with your protocols, um, you're taking ownership of how this is going to go. And don't walk in expecting someone to hold your hand and get you through it. You've got to get yourself through it. Yes, and it's like a job interview. A lot of these places, like I was offered a job down there when I was right. done. Yep. You can end up getting a job where you go to your internship. So mm-hmm. make a great impression. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like we did a good job of answering that question. Um, print off your protocols. Know them as best you can before you even show up on day one. Right. And I don't expect it to be a big party. Don't go down there thinking, I'm going to go out every night. We're going to drink right. and do this and do that. Go down there for the, you know, to see the culture and really learn your your stuff. This is your time to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So... Next question kind of rolls right into it. What should I expect for the first day? What's going to happen day one? Day one, you're going to be overwhelmed. Yeah. So overwhelmed. You have an ambulance that is fully stocked that you need to learn the inventory of. New equipment that you're probably not familiar with. There's probably going to be some sort of orientation. Orientation. Mm-hmm. Personalities all over the place you got to be able to adapt to. You might show up and walk in and no one acknowledges your presence. Yes. Yes. I so had you might that need to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, introduce yourself, be confident. Right. Shake hands. Yes. Well, yeah. you can't really do that anymore. Yeah. COVID era. And also be prepared for a little bit of disappointment because it's not Johnny and Roy stuff, right? No. You're going to be going on a lot of falls and right. elderly people that need help up and right. But it's going to feel really exciting. Anyways. It is going to feel it really will. exciting. Yeah. 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 And those are the calls you make a huge difference on. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think that the the thing that I remember from my first day is it was very, like you said, overwhelming. I felt inundated with information. And then the thing that gave me the biggest high, so to speak, was when my training coordinator handed my assignment down. He's like, oh, man. You're getting, you're getting the crew. And he was really excited for me. And I knew that, uh, you know, I was going to have a very knowledgeable crew that, you know, I think at the time they were 
the most senior, if not top three most senior crews in a very large system. And so we had, and I think I shared this on a previous episode, we had one of the best shifts I've ever worked in terms of hours. It was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so you obviously had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off, right? Right. And then you did a 24-hour shift on Tuesday in Lake Travis, really nice area of town, very few calls. And then your Wednesday, Thursday shifts were in basically the worst of the worst areas of downtown Austin. And you were seeing, you know, all the stuff that you would hope to see on an internship, right? Uh, shootings, stabbings, uh, you know, all sorts of craziness. And it, they're only 12 hour shifts. You're working through the night. And in those 12 hour shifts, you're running 12 to 15 calls easy and felt very comfortable going into that system knowing that I was just going to get my butt kicked. Right. And that was what I expected. And that's what you wanted. Yeah. You'd much rather do that than hang out like Travis for exactly three days. Those days were actually really boring. Right. Um, we only had a couple calls. They were usually very minor. Um, you know, I think the most exciting one I can think of was a car wreck. And then we had a, a STEMI patient once, but those days were very low key. And, you know, Holly talks about walking in and, People not really acknowledging you. <laughs> that totally happened. They they shared a post with a, uh, a fire station, and I walked in, and these three guys looked at me like, "Oh, no idea who you are," and they just kept walking. <laughs> and I don't care. Yeah, and I'm out. <laughs> nope, really. Um, Another that station. That station is the the retirement spot um, for for that department, or at least it was where we were at. And holy cow, yeah, very nice guys. Once you broke the ice with them, right. But, yeah, they'd been there 25 plus years. They were just doing their thing. So I think we answered that one. What do you think? Anything else? Okay. Next one. This is, this is a fun one. So I'm going to take their question and kind of break it up a little bit. They said, what are your top three tips for success? And I think we should each give our number one tip for success. Okay. And Holly's going to start. Oh, good. Ooh, Holly. Just one? Well, your highest ranked one. And then if we, if Dan and I don't hit on whatever your other couple are, then we can go back over it. So maybe we'll give them like 35 tips for success. Well, I did say earlier about taking ownership of yourself and your education for your internship. That's probably, but I already said that, so. The second one, <laughs> be a team player, take out the garbage, clean yeah. the ambulance, do the inventory, um, oh, yeah. you wash it, do whatever do it that. is. Yeah. Um, be a team player. Don't just stand there and wait for them to tell you to do something. Yeah. If you see that something needs to be done, get in and do it. Yeah. And then ask if, you know, hey, is there anything I can be doing right now? Yes. You know, I, I love that question from probationary employees, from interns, from volunteers. Uh, it shows me they're not there just to get whatever they're there to get. Yes. They're there to contribute and to be a team player. So that's huge. I have so many. Are you going to go around again? I mean, if you need me to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll start with, remember, you're an intern. Yeah. So you're working. Like we, we run with interns on the ambulance and they run 
with our fire department and you have to treat the other company with respect. Don't be bossing them around. Be Treat them like you want to be treated. Like, hey, do you mind getting a 12 lead right now? Don't say you get a 12 lead. You're an intern. You are at the very bottom of the the ladder. Yeah. That's my only one right now. But up more. Literally funny story. You guys took my one and two. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> Maybe you could elaborate. I don't know on that I, I don't know that I would have so with Holly saying take ownership. Yeah. Accountability is essentially my word. Um you know, you guys had what I would argue are my number one and two. So to round out my top three, uh selfishly, I'm gonna say attitude. Attitude for me is is everything, and it kind of touches on the two things you guys touched on because you can't have a bad attitude and do the things you guys just spoke on. But the attitude of a good intern is one that, A, like you said, knows their position. B, is willing to step in and do the not-so-fun stuff. But more than anything, I want them to have a upbeat and positive attitude that they want to be there. And that they show that and that they're, um, they're not giving in to the, the negativity. I get really turned off really quick if I see someone either talk negatively about, uh, the field in general, patients, uh, other crews. And that stuff really, really eats at me. And it, it makes me want to just go full blown, like mental health with them and not even touch on the fact that they need to learn how to innovate and, you know, mm-hmm. perform all these skills. Yes. My dad had a saying growing up and he actually, he found a poster that had the saying on it and then he put it up in my room. And <laughs> I wish, I, I'm sure somewhere in our, in their uh, like storage closet somewhere that it, it's still in there, but it said attitude determines your altitude. And he would repeat that to me regularly. Hey, just remember your attitude determines your altitude. And I've used that line a couple of times with people that I've seen going down the negative route. And I feel like I owe it to them to call them out on that stuff when I see it because it's way too young, way too soon to way be starting on that. Um, 25 years to get that negative attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully at some point we'll start educating them more official, more not officially. I guess that's the word. Um, will standardize the education of this is how you have a long-lasting career from day one, right? right? Yeah. It's funny because we train people that have been doing this business and been in this business for a long time, you know, 10, 15 years. And when they come in with a bad attitude, it's my job to tell them don't have a bad attitude. You know, you come here with a lot of bad habits. Let's break your bad habits. And it's it's really hard to do that when you're 10 or 15 years into your career. And when you have these new interns or you are a new intern, this is the time to adjust your attitude accordingly. Mm-hmm. You get and a second chance. Yeah. This is the best job in the world. It's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So just for everybody's knowledge, you guys both have been heavily involved in education. But Holly, right now your job is technically, what's the title? The clinical training manager. Yeah. So you're, you go to work and you, you do fly, mm-hmm. but you also, what, what's the balance as far as workload goes in terms of percentage devoted to training, percentage devoted to actually responding on calls? Yeah, what is your 23 workload? hours of the day is devoted to <laughs> training. 
Um, every month we do a two week training block. Okay. And then on my off weeks is when I do my flying. Okay. But I also do office work on the off weeks. And so. So they're getting twenty four seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you. Um, I think the more we can remind people of that stuff is, you know, yeah. gosh, can we I all need to be checked more? on it. Yeah. Can I say another yeah, one? yeah. 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 Um, don't be a know-it-all. Oh, yeah. drives me crazy. When you walk in there and you have a lot of life experience, maybe you do know the answer. If someone asks you a direct question, you should know the answer. But if someone's trying to train you and tell you something and you say, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, that doesn't make you look smart. It makes you look like an right. asshole. So don't do that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Even if you already know, because what they're going to tell you is, yes, you know how to do a 12 lead, but do you have the 10 years of experience behind it? That they're about to tell you, right? You know, here's how we do twelve leads. But here's something interesting. If you're not willing to listen and learn, you're going to miss it. Yep. yep. So don't be a know-it-all. I've always been one. intrigued that every time I go to a class, no matter the topic, even if it's just a refresher that our department is putting on to get us our CE hours, I always learn something new mm-hmm. every single time. Even if the person doing it was kind of throwing the class together last minute. I always learn always a little yeah. tidbit. Yeah. Just like on every call. Yeah. Almost every call. You learn some different way to move a patient. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Where to position yourself and all that stuff. Absolutely. Okay. I think we crushed that one. That was a, oh, out of the park. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Holly did get to we do have about, it. I'll just do yeah. one. That's I think, fine. I think. You think do what? you have another one? You have I another do one? have another one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go for it. Drop your expectations. Don't have an expectation. This is how my internship is going to go because you'll be. You won't be satisfied. If you go in there and think, I, I can't wait to do this. I'm a sponge. I'm a sponge. Yep. Yep. That's, that's, that's what I got. Yeah. I love it. I think that the thing that all those touch on is showing up with the right attitude, with the yep. right mindset. And the rest of the stuff, it happens on repetition. Yeah, you might pick it up quicker than someone else, but this is a technician-level job. It's hands-on. It's important that you get out of the book. And, yeah. Okay, you guys got one more. I'll go one more. And I just kind of touched on it. But being a technician-level job, it's I've always thought it's extremely important that you have the book stuff memorized inside and out because – What's going to end up happening is you're going to hit that point on a call where you're like, crap, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. And so what I always tell uh, my students and my interns is, okay, go back down, go back down your mental checklist. What are you missing? Where are we at? And I'll even have them write a summary of what they've responded to and what they've got on their hand, like on a glove. And sometimes just seeing, okay, well, shoot, this is a 48-year-old male complaining of chest pain. It's a little bit, you know, funky because of this, but no, just go back. You're a 48-year-old male with chest pain. What are you going to do for him? Do you think it's cardiac-related or not? If it's cardiac, ding, 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 you've got the next five steps covered. Right. If it's not cardiac, files. then build a case for that and take him to the hospital. They're, we're not going to do anything for that, right? If it's, right. you know... Some and guess what we do in the ER for that? Call someone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, Draw everybody labs. gets a 12 lead. Everybody gets labs. Right. We treat it all, all chest pains treated the same up until a certain point. Yep. Um, 
We're not cardiologists. Right. We're not pulmonologists. Oh, man. Um, Totally. But you know what we we are? And this is going to sound super corny. This is People think I'm a really good paramedic, and I'm not. I can do the skills, and I can ask some questions, but half the time I'm just so, like, what's happening tomorrow? That's how I used to be anyway. But I'm really nice. And if you forget everything else, just be nice to the patient, and they will think – and your preceptor and the people around you think this dude's amazing. Yep. He's so nice. Just get down on their level, touch their hand, let totally. them know it's going to be okay. Bedside manner. Bedside manner. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So moving on, this one I was actually looking forward to the most probably in answering. What did you like most about your paramedic preceptor on your internship? And I can... I'll keep mine PG, but I really we have to keep it PG. I mean, I don't know that they want me sharing, okay. <laughs> you know, some of the stuff they, they share. Confidentiality. Well, yeah, exactly. well, my preceptor right now is in jail. Oh, yeah. Has been for about 15 years. You're uh, being serious right now. Totally serious. Wow. Um, what happened? But, well, <laughs> that's where I'll go PG. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> but, uh, I remember we would drive and there would be some drinking going on in the ambulance. There'd be smoking going on in the ambulance. Remember, You're, this is the early nineties of Louisiana. Oh and my goodness. So, and, and we might go to a strip club or two on duty. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You had a very oh, different experience than I did. <laughs> and I stayed with that guy. Uh, that's where I was living. Was oh wow. Him. Yeah. Okay. And so it was a very interesting internship because you can imagine what if we did that on duty, just imagine what we did off duty. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Daniel, that sounds like a drunken, debaucherous party more than it does an internship. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. And I don't drink, so. Right. <laughs> Thank goodness. You might yeah. not have made it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Your liver thanks you. Yes. Yeah. Holly, what do you remember? Um, or what I remember, did you remember liking most? I liked, the thing I liked the most about my preceptor was that he got along with everybody. Yeah. And after my internship, I remember working with lots of different senior paramedics and I noticed how the fire department treated them because they did not get along with everybody. And right. it was a huge eye-opening experience that, like Dan said, it makes a difference. Be nice. Um, but that was probably my favorite. Then we laughed the entire summer. We yeah. had a lot of fun. That was awesome. So I got assigned to Frank and Charlie. Uh, Frank was technically my preceptor and Charlie was Frank's partner. But obviously when you work with a two person crew, they're both, you know, taking a lot of the workload, um, when it comes to teaching. And I remember Charlie, um, telling me basically, Hey, just listen to what Frank says, man. He's, he's a solid guy. You won't go wrong. He's not going to, you know, neither of us are going to let you harm a patient or do something wrong. Like we'll always, you know, make sure you're, you know, making the right steps and stuff. So along that kind of mindset, they would have me go in. So, you know, we get, we go to a call and, uh, they would have me grab the gear or whatever gear I thought I needed to take in. And then I would go in and they would stand right outside for about 60 seconds. And then when they came in, they wanted to know what my general take on the patient was what my plan of action was for them to get things rolling. And did you guys ever read a book 
Um, or have you ever seen a book called uh, The 60 Second EMT? Yes. Mm-hmm. That book, I never really dove into it heavily, but I always attributed what they were teaching me to that same kind of um, teaching style. And it really helped. Um, knowing that I was on a timer helps keep our rig in service, which is important for a very busy system. And it also helps me get down to what I think is wrong. Because if I identify something that's a life threat that I can do something about, it's important that I identify it quickly, right? And so obviously, you know, they weren't super concerned about the 60 seconds when it was a ho-hum call, Um, especially if it was, like you said, trying to do the elderly care type thing. You're not going (laughs) to, those those calls take some time and we're not going to solve their problem in 60 seconds usually. But um, the thing that I just really admired about them was they gave me that, you know, that much leeway to figure it out on my own and then make mistakes and then correct them and make mistakes and correct them. That's great. And they really allowed me to learn in a way that was really good. And so um, we had a call uh, where it was a heroin overdose. It was the first one I'd ever been on. And come back in and I'm starting trying to get an IV on this lady um, when they walk in and I go, Hey, 37 year old lady history of uh, drug abuse. Um, best friend says that she's taken heroin from an unknown dealer. She's unconscious. She was modeled at the time. I mean, she looked, she looked like she was on death's doorstep. Um, I said, we got to get some Narcan or quick. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Right on. And so Charlie grabs the, the Narcan and he says, Hey, how much do you want to give? And I said, uh, two milligrams. And he goes, really? Well, let's see how that goes. <laughs> and so well, back then we were giving two milligrams. Yeah. Well, it, it, in his, um, in the protocols at the time, it was 0.5 to two. Oh, gotcha. And so I was like, yeah, she's really, really critical. Let's just slam her, you know, with the full right, two. Right. And I, I watched this lady come out of her you know, stupor. And luckily she wasn't violent. Um, but she was so, uh, she came out of it so much more harshly than she needed to. Right. Right. Um, and they walked me through what that looks like. And so they knew that I wasn't going to harm her right by doing it that way, but they also knew it wasn't the most gentle way to do it. And you and learned. Then I learned, and they use that as a teaching opportunity. She didn't vomit all over you. Uh, no, she did puke. <laughs> That's how I learned that lesson. Yeah, yeah, me too. It wasn't on me though. She was on this massive bed in a hotel room, um, and yeah, uh, it was a mess. But and that's a great way to teach. And it, 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 really it was. It really, really helped because if I can help it, I will never do it that way ever right. again. Um, and. Yeah, I just really appreciated that about them. They gave me enough leeway yes. to let me do it on my own, and then we talked about the lessons afterwards. Right. And they never criticized me in the moment. That's great. They always waited to give feedback until after the call. And so they never did the, you know, stupid intern, let me, you know, get out of the way right. kind of a thing. It was always, they referred to me as the person making the decisions in front of the fire crews. Um, and that was, gave me the quote-unquote authority. On was the fire ALS? Fire was BLS. Yeah. Um, they had some medics, but they didn't operate as, as medics back then. 
I really like that because I feel like that is one thing on your internship is you are the person that seven people are watching. And it's really hard sometimes to stay focused and not think everyone's watching me right now and be nervous. So giving you that 60 seconds by yourself to really hone your own practice, Mm -hmm. that's really good training. I like that. Yeah. They were great. Okay. Next question. This is, is going to be another tough one All for right. you guys because you got to pick one. Oh, okay. I what promise I'll only do one this time. What do you think makes up the best quality of an EMS provider? Oh, I know. I know. Are you going first or I go first? You can go first oh, this okay. time. Compassion. Hmm. Daniel. That's a good one. Thank Break you. that one down. That's a good one. Break it down because, you know, this is where I said you got to go in and, and just not have any expectations. I thought I was going to be saving babies every shift. And so this big wave of disappointment would come. And I worked, I remember I worked with this, every, when, when my preceptor was off, his, his guy that worked the opposite of us, I'd worked with him. And he was a, he was a, a chaplain. Mm. And he was a big guy and he loved the old people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the majority of the calls, unfortunately, don't warrant an ambulance. Correct. And we all know that. And he would go in there and he'd sit down next to them and they'd hold their hands and, and he would, he would talk to them like it was his grandma and just very compassionate. Even though it was a ridiculous call, he never let on that it was a ridiculous call. Yeah. I, sh- I should have kept that for years, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> coming back to it. <laughs> okay. I'm coming back to it. So yeah, compassion. Okay. Love it. Holly, what do you think? Um, I would say being humble which I guess mm-hmm. has some compassion element to it. But I've been doing this for a really long time. And every single time I think I've got it figured out, I go on a call that basically knocks me back to being an intern on the ambulance on my first day right. because we're never going to see everything. No. And if you're not humble enough to know that you don't know everything, um, then you're never going to grow in this career. You're probably going to burn out. And, and what you do know is going to change. Right. The more education I get and the more things I learn, the more I realize I don't know. So be humble. That is very humble. Lean. Yes. (laughs) Lean. (laughs) Um, I would say for me, it all comes back to, it all comes back to attitude with me. Um, I so admire the people that I work with um, who've been in the job, five, 10, 15 years longer than I have who are, you know, on that back half of their career. And when they have the attitude that I want, it's very um, infectious. And they go out when they do retire as the people that are setting the, the example and the tone for those that are coming up behind them. And I really appreciate um, people who have a good attitude. And so what, what does that look like? It means, you know, when you come to a training that you've been to every year for the last 25 years, you're still coming into it with an attitude of learning something and taking something away. Um, and not just that you're contributing as well. Um, I can tell you on, you know, two different occasions, what a Lieutenant who's about to retire that hasn't given anything to the organization looks like and is received like compared to someone who is known for giving back to the organization um, taking care of their people and has just a positive infectious attitude. And I think that that for me is, 
it's funny. It doesn't come down to skill or knowledge or, I mean, I, I know who the people are that know the most in fire, in yeah, EMS. Exactly. And they're usually, I mean, the ones that I know aren't really the ones that I want to emulate. No. Um, it's all the people that they do a really, they do their best that they can. And they always want to do better. Yeah. But like you said, they show up, they're nice and they have a, just a good outlook. Um, yeah, I think that's mine. Do we have time for one more? Um, yeah, we got time. This is a new word I just picked up. I think Holly knows this word. <laughs> Being vulnerable. Oh. Because I know that I've missed so much in my life because I would not give in to vulnerability. Uh, because I didn't want to look dumb. I didn't want to look weak. Uh, but as I've heard in this podcast, with vulnerability comes joy, comes love. What else? Compassion. Thank you. Empathy. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Holly, for being here. So be vulnerable. Life will be so much better. Yeah. That's huge, Dan. Cause I well, think thank you, the, sir. the, the thing vulnerability does, especially for those you're around, is it kind of breaks down those stigma walls, you know, and says, okay, um, this guy's willing to open up on that or to be blatantly honest about that. Um, yeah. It normalizes the fact that we're all feeling something. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. And it's okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, I'm looking over some of these and we've already answered them in some form or fashion with what we've already said. But I think we got a couple left. Okay. This is a good one. Okay. What is the worst thing paramedics do consistently? You mean established paramedics? I don't know. This question came in and I was kind of like, well, I, we can take it however we want. I mean, is it a paramedic intern does consistently? Is it a, you know, career paramedic that's been doing this for 10 plus years? I, I know what mine is. Okay, you go. Okay. So the thing that came to my head, because I read it as, um, what's the worst thing basically any paramedic does consistently? And that was, they don't give all the information to the receiving hospital. They don't drop off the paperwork. I'm guilty. They forget the paperwork. Um, they don't take all the notes that they should about what they were told from family or the provider on scene. It can cause, you know, 30 minutes plus over an hour of extra time by the receiving hospital staff to figure out the stuff that you were told and you just need to share it, but you didn't. And now they have to track down the family member who didn't come up or, right. You know, the CNA at the you know nursing home or whatever. It's just part of craftsmanship. This is, this is your job yeah. that you need to yep. really be good at. And that's not a glorious part of it is, is dropping off the paperwork, but it's, it's a big part of the job. Just like you said, yeah. I mean, this is, you're passing the baton to the, the emergency room, pass yep. the whole thing. I mean, yeah. So if you're a, if you look at it as, you know, that, that chain of survival, uh, I'm thinking of like the, the AHA one, you know, right. that has the five or six, mm-hmm. uh, cogs in the wheel, so to speak. Right. You know, you're doing everything that's in your lane, so to speak, and then you're passing it off. But 
you're not doing everything you could no. do if you're not, you know, relaying all the information that you have to the next. If they have to the backtrack, piece. then you're yeah. doing a disservice. Absolutely. And I'm very guilty of that. Well, I've, I've to be fair, sometimes when you go to drop a patient off at the ED, they're not listening to what you have to say anyway. And I, I no, get that. Like getting not. that attitude is like, well, they don't care anyway, so I'm just going to drop this off and go, yeah. you know. But really working in the ER, it's like if they have seven steps at home, that's probably something important to mention if, if they're going to have to go home later. So you know what kind of transportation to get and all of those things. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That's a good one. The thing that I've become aware of lately with all the mental health stuff we've been talking about is nurses go through so much of their own crap with uh, the patients that we drop off and they have to deal with them for hours, which right. is always blowing my mind because I can't stand some of these folks for 15 or 20 minutes. Right. Yep. And then we're leaving them with someone for four or five hours sometimes. And it's... They, they deal with their own stuff. Um, I don't. I don't envy them at all. Um, but yeah, so I bring that up because it gives me a little bit of empathy for the people we do drop off. And okay, so I didn't get the best attitude from the nurse. She's probably he or she's probably going through whatever crap they've got on their plate today, and they're overwhelmed and they're checked out. Okay, you know. If I'm not giving them enough information, but I, okay, I can leave it, I can leave them a stack of papers that, that, you know, they can figure it out on their own time. They've got 35 other things they're trying to handle right now. They can't listen to my artfully crafted story that I'm trying to, you know, paint a picture for them and everything. But it's not easy and it's definitely, it's hard in the moment to catch it, but give them permission to not treat you like crap, but to maybe not, you know, give you their full attention like you would want. Right. You know, drop that, that, uh, expectation, you know, and don't let someone else's attitude affect your right. craftsmanship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just think of how sometimes we act when a CNA is giving us report to the adult. It's no on. different. Yeah. It's no different. So that was a good one, Steve. That was a really good one. Oh, thanks. All right. And this is the one we're going to close with. Okay. Because I, I mean, we're not going to, that's, that's the beauty of, an internship, right? It's extremely um, individual for the person on the on the internship, and we're not going to be able to answer the questions no. about, well, how do I do this? Well, it depends on your protocols. It depends on your skill going into it. It depends on this. Study your butt off, show up with a great attitude, and be a freaking sponge. Yes. Yeah. And, and also, I, I remember when I first started my internship, I'd never worked 12-hour shifts before. Yeah. And I remember going home and literally sleeping. Yeah. For like I would go home and sleep. And that's all I could do because I was so tired working those 12-hour shifts. So if it's something you've never done before, you're going to need to rest. Hydrate. And tell your friends and family members I'm going to check out for a couple days because I need to yes. sleep. Yes. Absolutely. All right. What's the best snack? Oh. Yes. All right, I'll start. I love string cheese. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Huh. Low in calories. Portable. Protein. Yeah. I mean, no it's carbs. processed, but, you yeah. know, I still feel okay about myself after I eat it. Does, does it have to be kind of refrigerated? Yes. Okay. Otherwise, it gets that. Yeah. It turns so, are we talking, so internship at the fire department would be different than internship on an ambulance because you've got your lunch. 
Right. Here. You can take the question however you want. Okay. Go with it whatever direction you feel led. Holly? I'm, I'm going to go with cashews. Cashews mm. are amazing. They're some of my favorite nuts. Yeah. What I, I like on, the dry roasted ones. I don't. Uh, I don't like the. You don't like the salted ones. No, this oh. dry roasted is like heavily salted. Oh, okay. I love it. Yeah, heavily mm-hmm. salted. Yeah, the uh, the ones that are like lightly salted or like no salt. I, I think they're a waste mm-hmm. of. They are a waste of space. Yeah, coated in chocolate is really good as well. When I worked night shift Jeez. on the ambulance, my Dark partner chocolate. always knew around midnight or one o'clock we had to stop by the Seven Eleven. Yep. Yep. Get some cashews. Yep. We would stop because the first time I ever heard of Krispy Kreme was down in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. And so we would stop middle of the night when they're just coming out of the, the froster. Ooh. Dude. Oh, and they're so hot. That's oh. where I, I must have gained 10 to 12 pounds down there in the south. Yeah. Eating that food. Oh, such good food. It was probably worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> I first met you, Dan, when you were in a very unhealthy uh, weight. Oh, when you came to yeah. fly in the helicopter. Yeah. Yes, I was a little chubby then. Yeah, I it was stress fat. It was. I don't remember yeah. you ever being chubby, and I've known you for twenty. years. I mean, he wasn't like very I was large. Fat. I was two hundred twenty-two pounds. What? Yeah. You your flight suit hit it well. Thank you so much. But yeah, you're lean and trim, and oh, you guys you're crushing it now. Good for you. Proud of you, Daniel. Thank you. So for me, best snack, I love the Cliff Bars. Um, now they sound a little dirty, but they're called Nut Butter. Oh, those Cliff are good. Bars. Yeah. And there's a peanut butter dark chocolate combo banana, I think, is in there too. It's so dang good. I highly recommend those. The problem I found with Cliff Bars, because we used to have those in the Commander. Oh, yeah. I would eat those, and then we would go to altitude, and there's so much fiber in there, I'd be gassy. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So I, I stopped eating the Cliff Bars. There's a tip in the field for uh, you know flight crews. Yeah, yes. that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. Yeah. 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 Don't Watch be what near you Chipotle eat. before you go to work. Right. Yeah. Oh boy. The only good thing about that, it, I'm digressing a little bit, is, is if the patient's unconscious. You can totally blame it on them. The yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I do that a lot. Yeah. Guys, that was pretty much it. That was all the questions we got. And I feel like we crushed it. Yeah. I feel like we knocked that one out of the park. Yeah. And I, I you know, we did get questions about you know, like I said, this procedure, that procedure, this medication, that medication, it's, it's all dependent on where you, where you're going and, you know, you'll learn it. Yeah. You'll learn it. And of course I have my own opinions on, you know, how to do certain things, best combination of meds to give for pain management and sedation and everything else. But but you'll learn all that. You'll learn all that. If you stay accountable, you stay humble, you stay compassionate. Right. You're part of the team. All of those things we said earlier, yeah. you're going to learn all that stuff. Right. And th- remember, that that internship, that is your time to just soak up the this, this stuff. You'll learn it. You could read about the medications, the procedures, all you want. But the patient assessment, how just the little things of EMS, mm-hmm. that is where you're going to learn it. Where to park. Where to park. <laughs> nice. Yep. How Don't to forget do to turn off the loading lights when you go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember driving Code 3. This is when I, before my internship, I was just an EMT basic. I drove Code 3, not knowing I was driving Code 3, oh, all yeah. the way for 20 some miles. Yep. Why do these people keep turning? This is great. Over? I love yeah, it. They really, this is respect. They really respect. While you're driving 25 miles an hour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, let's leave it there. Um, 
I really appreciate. I really enjoyed this episode. This was fun. Yeah, yeah even with these JV mics, it's went pretty well. <laughs> I loved being a paramedic. I really did. And so everybody embarking on their internship is just, just in for fun. an exciting uh, adventure. I'm envious. I wish I could go back and do it again. Oh, me too. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. All right. So I think we're going to leave it there. If you have any other comments for us or questions, definitely throw that in the show notes on the website and we'll do what we can to incorporate those in future episodes. Thanks for coming out. And Thanks, sir. You guys.